Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, or good whatever it is to you. Welcome to the 15th ever Mad Axman Lockdown Podcast. We've got the full gang of seven back, covering all the usual topics, what they've been painting, what they've been playing, and talking some rubbish this week, especially about the Assyrian army list in Art de la Guerre. We have teaching Timmy about Napoleon returning for the war in Spain. Sean Bean says bastard a lot. We also have Andy's quiz with some cracking questions this week. And then finally, towards the end, we have the usual bits of bonus material, an interesting discussion about road accidents involving animals in the Australian subcontinent. Everything for your Wargaming week. Listen out, enjoy the podcast. This means war. week 15 of the Mad Axman Lockdown podcast and 15 weeks, seven people, we're all here, we're all sat here on Zoom. I think um, we've actually increased, looking around the screen, the number of people who are actually painting as we speak um, is, is probably now more than half actually of, of the people on this. So the obsession with painting continues and, and talking of obsessions, the, um, the, the obsessives amongst you will know yet again that there are some questions we always ask online in the descriptions of the podcast um we were supposed to have covered last week but we probably forgot to kind of do them so if i um just sort of run around the screen a little bit we'll start with simon first question then um simon what blue do you choose for painting denim what's your go-to dark blue um i've got a um coat to arms dark blue paint that comes out quite nice okay dave saunders uh, what's your go-to dark blue denim. But uh, I have two blues. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've got, for a light blue, I've got Azul Magico Magic Blue from Game Colour, mm-hmm. which covers really nicely as a light blue. And then I've got Model Colour Vallejo Dark Prussian Blue. I think the Dark Prussian Blue is the darkest blue I can find. Okay, Mr. Webb, Do you, you know, does, the, does the word Prussians make you and your Austrians just quiver anyway, or in disgust? Sorry. or? What, why would I be paint, painting them wearing jeans? I've got to have them in chinos in a nice polo shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just do your kind of East London hipster vibe on me um, with the chips. Yeah, so you're just saying dark blue is not a colour you do. It's either Austrians or jeans. Neither, you know, neither of those no, two really yeah. work. You're going to need some dark blue. Do you have a favourite dark blue? Favourite favorite dark blue? Uh, stormy blue. Stormy blue. Okay. I've got it right stormy here. Blue. Else. That, is that? Okay. <laughs> Tamsin, who, what's what's your favourite go-to dark blue? Uh, for denim, I tend to go with Vallejo Model Colour Dark Sea Blue as base. Okay. Sometimes yep. Dark Prussian Blue or Oxford Blue if I want to. Oxford Blue if I want a slightly sort of purple tinge on it. Right, so you've got three different blues for denim. That's just the best answer. Brilliant. Um, Andy, what about you? Um, what's your go-to dark blue? Um, Coat Darms Marine Blue. Marine blue and, and Adam, painting away. Are you um, painting blue as we speak? No, painting metal. Never, never painted jeans. But we go to dark blue is modern colour Prussian blue. Model cut. So there's a big, as well. There's a big, um, big consensus for Prussian. Um, I think I've got a very old. I'm not even sure it's still called this Citadel Magraggy blue or something like that. It's probably had four different names since then. Okay, next question then. Quickly going around in the same order, starting with you, Simon. How would you pronounce your name um, in a Swiss bowling alley? Uh, what first name or surname? 
you can go for whatever you want. You're, you're in a Swiss bowling alley. They've asked you um, for your name so they can type it into the, the display above the alley, above the, um, whatever it's called in a bowling alley, aisle, is it? Lane. Yep, Lane, yep. Uh, guten Tag, my name is Simon Leray Meyer. Oh, he's copped out, gone a little bit German. <laughs> what about you? Saunders, me. Um, I was going to say, it depends whether it's Italian, French or German bowling green alley. That choice oh. is yours. So that choice is uh, yours. Je m'appelle David Saunders. So David it's Spanish. Saunders. <laughs> it's Spanish. <laughs> David, David. <laughs> David, David. Peter, what about you? Go on, go be cosmopolitan uh, on us in your chinos. Oh, it'd, it'd have to be uh, sort of like very official Swiss uh, German. So it comes out as a, just a bark. Peter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tamsin, yeah. what about for you? You're in a Swiss bowling alley. They're asking for your name. I'd probably end up spelling it phonetically. Right. Okay. <laughs> but the weird thing is, I so many years ago, I for a, a union conference I was attending, but they, they booked us all in centrally in a hotel, and. The hotel had managed to put me into two rooms. Cool. It's Tamasin and Piper. <laughs> okay, so you could be Tam. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that's a very, very weird um, Scottish-Chinese hybrid thing going on there. Then, uh, Mr. Finkel, how would you um, check into a Swiss-French bowling alley? Well, Andy, they'd probably spell it A-N-D-I. And Finkel sounds fairly Swiss anyway. They'd probably try and conscript me into the army on the basis they think I'm a deserter, I suspect. You could be learning to shoot and driving a small um, retro-style um, Leopard 1A. I'd be, I'd, I'd, be firing, I'd be firing crossbow bolts, uh, apples off your head in no time. Right, okay. Um, Mr. Warsdale, how, what about you? You're in Switzerland. Um, you're in a bowling alley. Um, if it was in German-Swiss, I'd pronounce it Adam. If it was French-Swiss, I'd pronounce it Adam. And if it was Italian-Swiss, I'd probably go with Adam. That's very consistent. You've got all the bases covered there. That's fantastic. I guess I've, I've asked this question. I haven't really given it much thought myself. Um, I think I'd probably go optimistic that they do speak French a bit as bad as me. And I go with the Dave Saunders approach, je m'appelle Tim, and then see if that works. Excellent. And then for our final question from, um, from last week, the, um, the question is it's a very simple yes, no. Did Napoleon get irritated with the Austrians always suing for peace after he beat them? Or did he just kind of shrug his shoulders gallically and live with it? Simon? Yes, no, shrug. Shrug. He's shrugging. Sondels? Je ne l'aime pas. Je ne l'aime. He didn't like it. Mr. No. Webb? Nah, it gives him something to do, you know, something else to look forward to in a couple of years' time. He was happy for the extra opportunity to beat them again. Tamsin? Absolutely. I agree with Peter. Yeah, he loved beating the Austrians. Any opportunity was great. Mr. Finkel? Try and keep your answer to under five minutes and don't refer to the hats. We've got that as a special section later. Yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> and Adam? Probably not as annoyed as he got with the Russians for not suing for peace after he beat them. <laughs> okay, then. Well, I think I'd definitely go with a shrug because that's all I know about French people. This means war.
Brilliant. Well, that's answered all of the questions from last week's podcast that we were supposed to have answered last week, but we failed to. So that's a good catch up for all of you. And now it's time to start going around in a different random order just to keep everyone on their toes on the week's painting. So starting with Mr. Finkel, you're, you're painting as we speak. Um, what What is it this week? What's making the, the painting it's still, pile? It's still the Seleucid uh, pikeman. Um, last week wasn't a good painting week for me. Uh, life got in the way, things like work, um, watching football, actually playing ADLG online, stuff like that, you know. All good so stuff. I yeah, so I didn't get very far with the painting. I did a little bit, but not as much as I would have done if I had less to do. Okay, so so what are you actually, Are you you're literally painting something as we speak, or, but is this, yeah, I'm, you I'm just started by the blank week? Is this the first day that you've given them a go? No, because I started about a week ago and did a little bit earlier today and I'm now carrying on with it. So I reckon I'm about between a third and a halfway through. I'm painting 24 figures for two pikemen units for ADLG. Are you going with, um, you know, kind of whitey linen-y armour or are you going for that sort of coloured boulder effect? Um, well, I think I'll go for... Well, or, they, or hats? Yeah, they've got linen pants um, and I'm going for, as Dave suggested, for the white linen armour on the kind of peturgis, I think he called them. And then, I suppose, a, a red T-shirt, basically. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a red T-shirt. That's, linen that's pants? What colour are you doing their trousers? Yeah, there you go. Linen pants. Oh, that's a bit close. Sorry. So <laughs> yeah, they're basically Bactrian phalangites from the Eastern Empire. That's why they've got trousers on. So they're the ones I got. That sounds like some sort of disease, that. Yeah, when in Bactria, <laughs> it gets so cold, you can't walk around without any undies on, can you? Well, well, I, you I often know. walk out on his on day. Oh, you know, we, we've been in lockdown for three months, so, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, sorry. They don't, <laughs> don't call Dave going. Mr. Commando for nothing. Exactly. That's <laughs> called Dave <laughs> Commando in Macedonia. Yeah, yeah. please don't visualise that. What's yeah. uh, more under your kill? Nothing at all in excellent condition. Boom, boom. Yeah. So, uh, so Dave, you know, uh, we've talked about um, whatever subject you just all got us onto there for the um the highlands of bactria what about the highlands of harrow what have you been doing um, up there and please don't refer to your underwear <laughs> uh yeah okay so um the the egyptians are finished for the Whoa. moment right until i can order some more because i've got to get some more chariots but that's that's for the future but i've now moved on to the uh kurasan um so, how many chariots is not enough chariots? Well, I've only got four so far. I bought four just You're to not taking this seriously, right Dave, are you? Come on. So, yeah. I think I need another... Twelve. Yeah, probably. I think another eight minimum. Well, I think you've definitely got to get to eight, eight <clears> because <throat> then, then that'll give you twelve, and that, then you definitely realise that's too many. Yeah. Can you some of them as command vehicles, can't you? Well, I, I, you need four, three for the generals. Uh, okay. I can't expect your generals to walk. Not I've done the uh, pharaoh in his chariot, and I've got through. I mean, it was basically a trial to see what those chariots looked like. Hmm. And um, they paint, they, 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 I was a bit disappointed, but they paint up quite nicely. Okay. And what about the, um, the Ottomans then? That's something you've had in a drawer for a while, I think you were saying. Well, basically, they, they were sort of a hand-me-down from Sean at the club. Mm. He was—he bought them from America expense, and um, he said I could have them for fifty quid. So I thought that's a bargain. And I've got a—I've got a Kurosan Byzantine army I've done before, so I know what they're like. But I, I'm really 
I was a bit weird that they're a bit grey style, a bit small, a bit puny, but they're painting up really, really nicely, really nicely. Okay. And did, and you Janis, have, did you have? Did you Definitely the best Janissaries I've ever painted. You, so you found some good ones. It's a miracle. Finally, Fantastic. yeah. In fact, they're so good these Janissaries. Mm. That what I think I might do is actually get that when I do put an order in for them, they've got an early. They've got, they've got, these are the later Janissaries. They've actually got an early Janissary, so I might have both options. Wow. So what what makes them so good then? Is it just mix of um, poses or or just dynamism or do they take paint well they take the paint well i mean i think there's three one two three four poses of janissary firing but they're all sort of firing for they're not firing in silly angles or silly poses they're quite similar so one's fired one's fired one's got an overarm action so they look similar but with enough detail, you know, if you look closer, you can see there's a difference. And there's one static guy who's sort of making up the numbers. I think they're really, really nice figures, the way they modelled them and that. Um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with them. Have you just done so what's the, the difference for the early one? Uh, just the uniform, slightly different. Different cap. The, the, the headdress was a little... They're not Napoleonic, are they? No. <laughs> no, no, not with bows. In fact, I've been so taken with Ottomans that I've been looking at 25 mil 28 millimeter Ottomans. Wow. Oh, oh, you there you go. Calm down, everybody. So that's got um, everybody um, excited. Tercio Talk one. us through it. Yeah, the Tercio. Spanish Tercio make. But they, they did a, they did a, um, a, 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 what's it called? What's your favourite thing? Peter. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Whiskey. Yeah. And uh, they're really good Kickstarter, but they, they don't do all the figures that they had in the Kickstarter now. So oh. Well, you could always do a Napoleonic Ottoman army. Gordon's got yeah, one. It's quite pretty looking. Very Well, exactly. That's the thing that, that mostly 28 millimeter Yanissaries you find are armed with guns because they're all made for pike and shot and things like that so Yay. finding actually nice bow armed ones is different difficult so have you not no i've not done anything about it yet oh I mean, that's cheered me up because i was getting a bit worried that the world would be a different place if you actually found a janissary figure that you liked but now you've gone to 28 mil and you can't find a decent one the world's as it should <laughs> be on course. It's definitely back on course yeah then you then when you find some of those you can go to being disappointed with 20 20 mil ones or something like that yeah. We can just keep you it, disappointed forever. Plymouth, Plymouth in January's biblical yeah. 25 minutes. So I'm, I'm thinking about sorting an army out for that. That's true. When we're all back on the road. Okay, then. So that's your painting. I mean, so Dave Simon, was bound to be painting something in red this week, wasn't he, after Liverpool winning the league? Uh, these Yanisari in red. Yeah. <laughs> which, which sponsor have they got on their shirts? Is it back to the Crown Paints era? It's definitely crown paints, definitely. They're definitely crown paints, crown paints here. I, I, always, I always had a had soft spot for the candy washing up uh, machines. That was also a good one as well. well that's a, that's a kind of candy. Cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, then, what, um, what are you painting as we speak? Is it still your accidental enormous elephant purchase? Uh, no, the, um, we're not talking about the accidental elephant purchase. There was a, a frosting incident with ah. their mountain varnish. So, um, okay. Not happy. <laughs> so did you, did you manage to resolve something else? 
did you manage to resolve that? Because um, that was it was no. very humid last week, wasn't it? So that's always a risk. Yeah, I didn't really realise how how humid it was, and so I met varnished the elephants and the the Seven Years' War hussars. And then as I did the one side of them, all of a sudden the hussar started frosting up with this nice snow colour. So um, I'm hopefully this week when it dries out a bit, I'm going to see if I can try to recover them. So if not, they're getting we'll stripped. Yay. Oh, God. Oh, what a nightmare. So, yeah, because I think when on WhatsApp, we all suggested um, a variety of different ways of, of fixing them, which mm. I think what was it. There was um, do gloss varnish, do another layer of matte, <laughs> use olive oil. All sorts of different ways. Which is there one that you're going to try first? Or, I'm going to try the 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 one I've seen suggested by a few painters is that you matte varnish them again because the when the matte varnish touches the matte varnish again, apparently it dissolves it and it restarts the process. And in some scenarios, the uh, the painters who have had frosting incidents have said, you know, you heat your miniatures up a little bit, matte varnish it again. And then you know, um, let them settle, and that, um, the frosting gets resolved. So um, we'll see what happens next week. Stay tuned. So I'm just, so I'm just looking around the um, the screen here, and I, I've, I'm I'm torn between: do I go to Tamsin for the actual, really detailed, proper answer, or do yeah. I go to Peter because he looks like he's screwed this sort of stuff up many, many times before, and probably has tried all the <laughs> options? And I think I'm going to go no. with Peter first. Peter, tell us the stories of you know. Because you're that you you've done this with the undercoat, started with the gold yeah, and the black gold so. paint. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done it with the undercoat, but I've actually done it with the varnish. I've had a whole army that came out all frosty because I, oh. I sprayed a massive tray of it all at once, um, and then got very disappointed because next day I was at an event, and then three old and bold different people at different times of the event were all telling me do this matte varnish spray thing, which I promptly did as soon as I came home, and it all turned out nicely. So it's just um i was get, getting really pissed because you know it was one of my first armies i painted and it took me bloody ages and mm. then spraying that matte varnish and it all getting frosty just um really pissed me off um so yeah the the matte varnish again just make sure the um can's right and it's the right temperature and this weird thing of humidity in the uk which we're, we're just not used to isn't around um and they all sort of recovered but you just got to make sure it's nice and thin um, yeah. so you know it's nice thin coat um, go around it not too heavy and then it um, sort of miraculously cured itself I think wow okay so Tamsin is there a, is there a, a more complicated 16 sorry I'll, I'll do oh, Tamsin, oh, Adamson. I'll Adamson. Do Tamsin what you want to do is get some baby sham and some peat compost <laughs> and mix it together <laughs> at 60 degrees and, and then just dip it in quickly and flick it off and that will sort it out perfectly yeah. Or now, something. Is the, uh, I'm more amazed is, that you found baby sham. Yeah, now is the baby sham, is that organic gluten-free baby sham or is it more your full fat um, version? It's baby sham. <laughs> it's baby sham. <laughs> right. Tamsin, the, and finally the real answer. Go on. The real answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never had a problem. Don't do it in the first place. That's superb. Good. Right. Time will come. I, I, I do almost all my varnishing through I either brush on or airbrush. So. Okay. Uh, it does. Yeah. You'll, just, you'll right. do a what, video what, what on it, Tamsin, called The Lady Varnishes. Yeah. Simon, <laughs> one hint. Just don't get it mixed up with a metallic spray. 
No. Yes, I do keep my gold paint for, for, for other, other, other purposes. Right. And always spray one base first before you spray the others. Just to what? check that it is varnish and not matte eye, not black prime. Uh, see, I found this really, really good way of testing it. I read the label on the can. <laughs> Rocket science. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. So come on, Peter. What, what, what disasters or, or non-lack of postage or, or things have you had this week? Other than because I see that there's obviously still that that postage vacuum around your house is still preventing the Amazon hair clippers arriving. Um, no, I, I've actually had the drone drops and um, I've got everything that I actually ordered. So I've finally got all my Austrians, even my geezers, my East End geezers, wow. yeah. my Genzers, Grenzers, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've got my Spanish knights mm. um, with the flags. So I've got my Navarre knights. So they're on the painting table ready to do next. Um, but I just, I'm just trying to do a push over the next week to actually get through and finish off my Austrians. Then I've actually got one army, one Napoleon army, finished to take on all these people with French armies and then beat them just to prove them wrong. So now, I guess um, that's, that's what Napoleon um, was really good at, just having one last push to get straight through the Austrians. He seems to have absolutely. done it repeatedly. One, yeah. one last push. And the, the joy of it is, I can use them again and again. That's yeah, <laughs> the, the trick is beat the Austrians and give them a mulligan and say, go on, have another go. Yeah, keep them going back. Okay, then. Um, all right, Tamsin, what about you this week? Has it, it still been judge dreading or, or did this that get been, completed? It's been terrain. Oh, ah, yes, yes, yeah, scatter, it's wasn't it? Things. Stuff. Uh, just get gallery open. Oops. Yeah, so it's a mix of stuff. I started off with some stuff for judge dread, judge dread so some shipping containers and some billboards. Uh, so, I, so I remember last week, you, Tim, you were saying you were going to be go, having a go at making your own decals. and. Yeah. I actually had a go myself with some graffiti decals and... Wow, okay. So oh, some of those are my decals, some of those are ones I got from, who was it, a Debris of War, Debris of War and some yeah. were from Warlord. Okay. I mean, it's such a work of art to make them look horrible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Where did you... And then I moved on to some other bits, so I've got a, a TT Combat Police Station, mm. which is for my pulp collection. That's a nice, solid, solid police station, yeah. definitely. Like, so yeah. I, sent, I actually but I put that together about two, three years ago and mm. then realised, hmm, yeah, it's going to be a bucket of paint with it, paint the interior. Yeah. Now I've assembled it, so I dodged painting it until now. And right. And finally it was a piece of scenery from War Bases for sci-fi. Uh, yeah, that's a nice a, piece. It's got the grav lift shaft or something. So has your flat been just smelling of, of burnt um, burnt wood for the <laughs> for last week? Were these old, slightly old purchases? Really. Not really. I sort of, the burnt smell had pretty much disappeared from these, but right. by the time I was doing them. Okay. No, they look really, really impressive. Really, really good. Fantastic yeah. Stuff. And I've also got a load of priming done. I all those all that resin stuff that I sh showed last okay. week. Yeah, That's yeah. Been primed. And. Well, Along with a couple of other bits, and today I've been working on working on painting a load of pavement sets. Well, actual pavements. So yeah, walks, pavements possibly. go on. I try, try, I MDF pavement pieces. Yeah, no, that's a that's a point at which I think th there's a lot of when you commit to doing pavement, suddenly you realise you commit to doing a lot of pavement. 
that's it. Mm, I, yeah. I did some once with um, little tiles that you, you peeled off and glued down to actually make them oh, as well. But... I mean, these were MDF, MDF sections ready, ready done, so, I didn't have to, so it's just a case of painting. But... That's exactly what I thought I should have done after I'd done all the tiles, for sure. Um, that's very much the way. So, um, so I think just looking around the thing. So um, before we come to, to Adam to round this off, I think my week, as, as some of you may have seen, has been week of, of finishing off a couple of little 15 mil bits getting those um those carolingian cavalry blokes um matt varnish once the weather clean well not got so humid this weekend but then that's given me kind of a proper week to do a handful of those malifaux figures including the ones that i forgot that i had and and it has you know adam thank you for for you know prompting me to do that because the change in pace from doing a whole army to half a dozen figures and the extra time that you can spend on you know one or two of them with with different little ink washes over bits of it and dry brushing and and layering and, and doing some other bits and pieces has been a real a real good change of pace it's um it was interesting actually because we we all get so much into painting a whole army at a time um and slightly irritatingly um after i just spent the week working through these about six or seven malifaux figures um a guy who long story about malifaux you could get extra models by by getting loyalty points but then you had to to post poker chips to america so suddenly everybody started collecting them got close to the right number and then thought this is going to cost me a fortune in postage. So all the orders ended up being aggregated together at, um, at Darksphere. And um, we all sent off ages and ages ago, probably a year ago or so. And, um, and John, a lovely guy from Croydon who um, doesn't play as much now, had, had collated them. And this week he said, oh, I'm just posting that, that one model to you that um, I think I must have, have given the poker chips away a year ago. So just after I finished all of this, this set i've got another one another single one coming um that should be here in another couple of days to do but but i guess it isn't that um and yeah sorry where, where that story was going um possibly nowhere maybe it needs to be edited down but i was saying to him i've just been painting up um you know these 10 mil armies with 600 small figures and because he's a games workshop single figurey sort of guy he's his mind was absolutely boggled by the idea of doing an army with 600 figures even though they're 10 mil and they're little blobs with, um, you know, with spots of red and white on them and, and you do the unit effect, but it's, it really yeah, was such a difference. If you sort of like the Games Workshop type, you think, probably thinking that you're putting eyeballs on each one of those 10 mil figures and stuff. Yeah, no, that was the whole point. You know, it, it was just that whole painting for a unit was so different, but I, I only put eyeballs on, on one of the figures that I had. It just had a really bland face that, that otherwise might have looked a bit weird so i thought i'd make it look weird with eyeballs because they, they never quite work but um but my first gremlin my first green skin thing and i suppose there must be people out there who painted legions of orcs and goblins and things like that in their past but my first green skin thing which which allowed quite a lot of good layering and and some blue jeans stuff as well and some good fire effect that, yeah they were very good <laughs> I was I was really pleased with that. I, I dug out uh, something on the internet about a couple of years ago when I started doing the, the models that were on fire, and it's kind of really almost counterintuitive that the the base of the fire should be white, 
and the tip of the fire is black and you build up with layers of washes and, and inks from white at the bottom to pale yellow to more orange and then a little bit of red and, and, and black tips where the, the sort of the whatever it is just burns into smoke and so there's quite a few figures with fire and now that I've cracked how to do fire I'm just dead keen to paint it as often as possible because I can do it in a way that's fairly competent so that that's been quite a good one and I think it, warships and airplanes and things well you know ships and airplanes is next I think I, I am leaning towards ships as my next thing but but again like we talked about Buy a ship week, for black seas or something no I've, I've got the whole starter set for black seas ready to go so um I, I think it's probably likely that makes it but but I think after um the conversation about the the plastic sprue snipping tool I'm still sat here thinking maybe I should do those plastic arabs just because I can snip a load of stuff off the sprue just because it's quite satisfying and I have yeah. got the um the transfer sheets through for the water slide transfers so that would allow me to to crack on and make some of the shields as well so the arabs are are trying to force their way up the queue but i might might bite the bullet and actually do the ships tip if you can do ships tim is um langton do you know that they're the company that do the really nice one twelve hundreds mm. they um they've done a book um that i've got it um how to paint yeah i think it's actually aimed at one twelve hundredth yeah um scale um like um wooden warships but okay. it's a good guide for doing the painting and um especially the uh, rigging so if you're going to paint ships i think that's a worthwhile investment is it actually a, a, a hard copy book or is it sort of a download pdfe two page um, guide thing it's a hard it's a hard copy but it's about 20 25 pages they might do it as a pdf i don't know okay. I, I bought it before such things existed to be honest i yeah. think so they might do it as download but if not it's worth sending off and waiting for it to come because it just gives you a good idea of what goes where and what it should look like and okay. sort of different paint schemes all right, so. Now, Tim. Sorry, yeah. just on the on the black black the ships you're thinking of. That's for yeah. Black Seas, is that right? Mm. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, I, I saw. I'm just trying to see if I can find the note for it. I forgot to take a note of it. Um, one of the I think the company who made Black Seas or one of the other games has just released a whole bunch of sea, sea monsters. monsters. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. That's like, all for Black Seas. Yeah. Yeah. So you um, wasn't particularly keen or interested in this, in um, more historical uh, naval ships, but now I can get the Kraken. Now I'm interested. You've got to have one of them, haven't you? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's it then. Maybe it's another kind of post-lockdown thing. They were, um, in fact, we, we get some ships out and then if you buy into the Kraken, we can have a ships versus monsters fight. Does that mean I can repurpose well, my flying gorilla? Release. It's their latest release. Yeah, I just saw the pictures and went, oh, I've, I've got to have one of those. For no other reason than it's a kraken. There was a sea dragon out. and uh, a giant megadon shark. Being an Australian, you've got to have a shark. Yeah, I think they probably yeah, run out of nations, haven't they, with, with proper ships. They've got to release something else in resin. Okay, Adam then, what, a, um, what about you? What's your painting week? What's, what's going on as we speak? Um, just cracking on doing the second batch of Mongol cavalry. Um, didn't do as much as a week before because I basically got the uh, riders done with the horses to remain, but I'm still quite pleased with that painting speed because considering how sunny some of the uh, days were last week, um, I didn't do very much painting. So to get all the riders done, um, it's kind of handy. So all hmm. pleased about that. And I'm just finishing them off now. Was there any more kind of, you know, um, drawing pin up the, you know, buttocks kind of scenario well, going on. 
it's I sort of like listened to Tamsin's advice and it all mm. made sense. And then Peter went, oh, just hold him by the foot and then hold him <laughs> by the head when you do the feet. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just went with the lazy option. That's so I went with the hold him by the foot option. Right. Peter, are you disappointed in him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very pleased that he's, he's managed to channel the reality of today's world. Yeah. Just a bit slack. Just a bit slack. Yeah, you've not sprayed anything gold there, have you, Adam? No, 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 I haven't. But I am painting whilst drinking beer. So uh, watch this space. I might have a humorous painting story to relate in the next hour or so. Right, okay. That's something to work from. Brilliant. Well, look, that's the painting roundup done then. And um, thank you, everybody, for regaling us with those stories whilst drinking. This means war. Okay, well, my, my war games covered. That was a major effort. All right. Okay. doing that, you find all sorts of armies. It's brilliant. It's, it's like it's like going on a free shopping spree. When I did my <laughs> cover during lockdown, I just found loads of shit that was like, wow, yeah. that's like I I'd I forgot to have these yeah. loads of stuff, but not spending yeah. money. Yeah. No, I, I don't do that. I, I don't do that because if I open the stuff up and start getting stuff out, they'll go. But you don't need to order any more stuff because you've got all that. No, no, no. You don't let anyone see it. Yeah. That's why you get locks on the doors so you can actually tidy up in, in, in comfort and peace. No, I found all sorts of stuff. Bits of terrain, things that I'd forgotten from years and years ago. There's so many bits of crappy terrain that have been pulled together. Yeah, okay. there's one army I've missed today, but I'm hoping to find it. Yeah. Okay. So um, in terms of, you know, that's, that's clearing out cupboards. Um, Andy, you've also done some gaming this week, haven't you? I understand. Online? Yes, on the TTS. I did. I've, I've had two games. I played uh, in this international league. I played a very nice American chap called David Ray. We started on Wednesday night. Then we had communication problems because Skype, for some reason, then didn't want to cooperate. So we gave up about half 11. And by then we played four turns. And I'd killed 15 points out of his um, 28. What was he using? Uh, ancient Spanish, and he'd taken 12 out of my 24 Carthaginians. We resumed on Thursday, and I broke his army in one turn. The dice went very kindly for me. Okay, excellent. Um, and, and then you played another game as well? Um, yeah, Dave and I had a, a mutual destruction yesterday. Uh, med medieval heavy metal, I was using uh, French ordnance, and Dave was using uh, medieval Spanish. And neither so of you were tempted by got... the Scandinavians then after last week. You just decided we're not playing with that one. Well, I, I, I didn't bother. I, I, I just put the army together just out of curiosity when, when, when we were going to do the list. Um, but I'm trying to... Uh, French Ordnance is an army I might try and use in competitions. Uh, so I wanted to try and make one or two experiments to see if it would work in a... Uh, Andy? Sounds like a lot more bloodthirsty using the online one than you are uh, normally around the table. Well, I just seem to be luckier than um, online than on the table. Top of the league, haven't you? Uh, I think I am actually. I mean, I think we've called to me I think it's recorded me as four Andy. games and three wins, but I've actually had five games and four wins. But I'm not making a fuss about it. Fantastic. Did um did you? Guys, see that thing? I, I don't know if any of you saw it today. One of the German sort of clubs or, or groups had put yeah. on a um, historical battle 
you know, scenario based on Narcis against the Byzantines or something. And it had well, an order of battle. So remember thinking Franks or some 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 mob wandering around no, Central Europe. Yes, it's the Goths and the Franks. I'm I'm really keen on doing it. It's, you know, it's something I studied at university. But okay. um, what I find strange about his army list is he's got he's got a strategist embedded in one of the two heavy cavalry impact units. And, and from a game point of view, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. No, but, I, hey, I think know. not from a game point of view, but that's that's the joy of history, isn't it? I've um I was chatting to Dan Hazelwood online. Um, I think at the weekend, and he was talking about an article he's written for for Slingshot that they've not yet published about um, setting up Canai as um, using an AGLG, you know, 200 point and scaling everything up to it. And, you know, there's all this stuff about Canai, about how the Carthaginian centre fell back and it was very clever and all the rest of it. But, you know, he's he's kind of reverse engineered the um, the actual order of battle and scaled it down to two, two 200 point armies. And you look at the initial deployment and you think the Carthaginians are going to win this by stoving in the Romans' flanks, um, you know, without anything clever at all, because the, the Roman legions are packed deep in the middle in, in a really deep block. Um, three different commanders are commanding the Roman legions. So someone's commanding a, a column of Romans down the middle. The commanders on the sides are commanding both cavalry and legions in in the block because that was their command structure and then on on almost both flanks the Carthaginians have just got an overwhelming superiority in cavalry numbers so they are just going to go forwards beat the Romans before the Romans can can even kind of get out into into line or, or whatever and it's just it's a bit like that um Phil Sabin lost battles thing in that where they try and work out where a battle was fought by playing a game of it and then saying, well, if the game works properly, it will tell you about how the battle panned out and, you know, if, if the history is is correct or whatever and, and where the terrain must have been, because there's always debate about where, where battles actually took place. Yeah. And, and this one is, just going, if you look at the, the setup and scale it up, the story of the, the Carthaginians falling back in the middle um, maybe is actually relative movement of, of the cavalry wings coming in. And, and just overwhelming the the Romans. Well, um, well from what I've read, I seem to understand that um, some of the Romans in the middle actually broke through the Carthaginian lines and headed off to safety. Mm. Um, and that the Carthaginian centre buckled because of the pressure of the Romans, not because of any cunning plan on Hannibal's part. Um, ah, it, Hannibal put, his, he put the Gauls in the centre, knowing that they would buckle, and he, fought, he, he created a a basket. So when the Gauls started falling back, he used his African spearmen who'd been equipped in Roman gear to come up in columns to do the sides of the bucket. And then his cavalry went round either side and formed and filled the hole. And then the Romans were so packed in at the end, they couldn't even move. And the Carthaginians became sickened by the killing that they were conducting. And it was the largest killing zone until the First World War. I suppose at least with, with ATLG, the army just breaks at 50% losses anyway, so you don't get that kind yeah. of deeply unpleasant endgame, really. Hannibal's <laughs> okay. brother poured... So the patricians, to be a patrician, you had to have a, a silver ring, and he poured a bag of rings onto the floor of the Senate back in Carthage and said, now give us the money to finish the job. Right, <laughs> OK. <laughs> well, pleasant, pleasant stories indeed. So, um, yeah. so, Dave, how was your half of the mutual destruction game? 
really good, really good. I, I mean, the TTS, I was, I was very, I mean, I've never played online at anything before. So this has been a bit of a learning curve. I'm now thinking I'm starting to get the hang of the commands in the, you know, the sort of like the move. I can actually use the mouse properly now, which is a big advantage. But I can now actually move myself around with the mouse and things. Like I'm almost there with moving units around. Um, I really like it. I don't think I'm quite ready yet to challenge somebody in America or in Spain. But I think another two games and I'd be really up for having a right old go at it, I think, you know. Yeah, you know how long lockdown goes on and how, before, how long before we can get any games in. Mm. Um, I'd be really keen to play that Byzantine game online. Well, I'll have a look about, you know, yeah. building the army list and setting it up. And then, because um, I suppose you could set the whole game up as, a, as an object and there uh, all the two army lists up as an object and, and just drop them yeah. onto the table. You could, to say that yeah. quite quickly so I'll, I'll have a look about doing that and um and drop something around um so peter you were going to be beaten up by one or more of your children this week i believe How did that go <laughs> yes uh i was due to be but uh with it being nice weather and um uh, the uh lockdown opening up they all run off they i thought have, you were going to say you, you just friends. went to the pub <laughs> friends yeah wow. i thought friends. you were going to say that you came down to the beach in bournemouth yeah <laughs> no, no. Uh, even I'm more sane than that. I've got gold fins to play instead. Uh, no, they all ran off and um, had fun with friends and that as teenagers will want to do, uh, which is all very awkward and painful, but there you go. Okay. Um, Adam, did you manage to, you know, in, in the child beating stakes, anything this week for you? Uh, no, it's, uh, again, it was nice weather. So we did nice weathery type things. No, that's probably good. Tamsin, did you um, get in a, any, any games this week? I know you toyed with that in the past uh, moving some of the stuff around no i didn't get get anything in this week too busy sort of painting and doing stuff but this morning i received my pdf copy of infamy infamy ah okay Ooh. Ooh. Mm -hmm. so i've been sort of having a scan through that looking at looking at the army list working out what i would need to buy and mm. thinking think along those lines so so what's, you know, which of their rules is it like, or is it different to everything else? Is it, you know, chain of command with, with Peelands or? I think there's, there's, certain, there's a lot of mechanisms in there that are common, that are a bit like chain of command. So you've got the force morale trackers and things like that. And how, how you build, I mean, so I think, I think a lot of their, their rules have those sort of commonalities about how you, Add supports to your basic basic as hmm. base army, but I haven't had a had a real chance to look at the rules in depth yet. Yeah, I, I guess I, you know, it's it's had an awful lot of hype, hasn't it? But um, mm. and a lot yeah. of coverage this week. But I, I suppose I I kind of look at it and go, I've got all my saga based stuff that it would be really nice to to use, but it doesn't go back to saga because it's Roman themed. Um, and yeah. I, I, do I want another set of, you know, other small skirmish scale stuff when actually I'd probably just stick them on ADLG bases and, and use them as mass battle because that's kind of what I do. Um, Can I, I would also say, it's like what you say about Saga, it's definitely the zeitgeist now to sort of like mass skirmish is where the popularity at. I'm kind of really bored of the mass skirmish game. It's sort of like, 
it's quick it's fun it's you can paint the tubes quick but now i'm very much in a no let's have a proper battle none of this all it's got effects and sort of like this unit is no it's i can't be doing with that anymore so um yeah i'm not i'm not going to go for him for me because it's it's too much like all the other mass skirmish sets yeah saga clash of spears all those other ones here it's a tricky one Okay, so Simon, have you uh, just rounding out anything for you? Because it's been a it's been a blank week for me on the gaming front. Yes, um, Saunders and I had our first game of ADLG online. So <laughs> again, we had a, a mutual destruction. We had the classic uh, Gauls versus Triumphant Romans. Uh, so I had a, I, I had a very small army. It was 28, 28 elements. The wall-to-wall -wall of uh, medium foot and light chariots. So, I, I brought in um, eight of them just for just because I could. Um, well, just just because Dave's only got four, you just wanted to rub yeah, it in. Basically, yeah. Because uh, he's trying to persuade Dave why he needs to have lots of chariots that he's ever going to use. Yeah, his medium foot impetuous almost went through my legionaries. Yeah, it was it was quite a. Um, interesting um, dichot dichotomy of, of a game. So Dave had gone for all, all of his foot, foot were all heavy foot, all elite, all swordsmen, all, um, all scary. I had wall-to-wall -wall average, all medium, uh, medium swordsmen. And there was lots of you know, dicking around and you know, um, trying to get into someone's flanks. And then the, the two lines started to clash and meet. <laughs> And there was a very high body count. Chariots were being taken off left, right, and center. And you know, I'd pile into him, and then Dave would just charge me in the back and all that. It was it was really enjoyable. Good. And you you got the hang of the um, the system as well, then the online movement yeah. system. Yeah. Once we um, some of the key things of learning how to wheel a larger unit, where you you anchor on the the corner that's wheeling and it swings around. Once you got that. I was having a, um, my center command of um, medium swordsmen it was a small command. It was only um, 12 wide uh, of medium swordsmen. It's like thud, right? Let's try to wheel that around. Um, so that, that was quite an interesting visual. Yeah, that's a bit lumpy, isn't it? That's very lumpy. It was good okay. though. It looked really good. It looked very Gaulish. Good. Well, hopefully more of those more of those games this week and um, see what the weather's like. Maybe there'll be some actual physical outdoor gaming to be done at some point in the next few weeks as well. This means war. This means war. Well, with that one, I think we're probably on to the army list phase of the, um, of the week. Um, fitting in that, and I'm just looking back and trying to remember which army that we oh we selected a Syrians, beauty Syrian and Sargonid wasn't it? The Assyrian and Sargonid, absolutely full scale proper, proper army number nine, and I believe it was Adam and Tamsin who were, were doing that. Um, we we managed to stop Simon just sending in a list at random this week, um, which was always good. So looking at the the two of them, so we've got Tamsin's list up here first, um, which looks kind of a an interesting an interesting mix here. You've got um, it's called Chariot Command, Infantry Command, Cavalry Command. So I can I can see yeah. it's doing what it says on the tin. Um, solid initiative of three. Pretty solid number of units of, of 20 um, in the army there. Um, 
Tamsin, do you want to just describe what's in each command one by one and then talk us through how you see it being deployed, where it's going to fit? Yeah, okay. I, well, looking at the two mounted commands, I had had a choice. I, Assyrians, you've got to have the go with the chariots. And so I decided to go with a full-on chariot wing. You've got four heavy chariots, an ordinary gen uh, competent general. Competent general, and, the first one, uh, yeah. And a light cavalry bow just to zip around and sort of stop stop stuff it, it, it targets evading. And you've also got uh, the other mounted command is sort of the cavalry. It's just a micro command, one light light cavalry bow and two heavy cavalry bow elite. Well, yeah, you want to make make them elite. So that, that that command can go down first or go as a as a flank attack flank march. And the final is it one, not overkill to have a competent commander in there? Pan? Is it not overkill to have a competent commander in that core? You only got three units. Yeah, possibly. That that boosts the initiative up to three, though. I guess without yeah. that, you'd be um. Yeah, be kind I'd of be low on the initiative. You'd only be yeah, on two. Yeah, yeah. That, that was part of the reason also that I had three points. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the third command, sort of, it's a solid infantry block. I so you got. Heavy, heavy infantry. So you got two guard, two guards, guarded swords, heavy swordsmen with armor and missile support, and four line infantry, heavy line heavy infantry, heavy swordsmen with missile support. And alongside those, you got some some medium foot. So you got a medium swordsman, a javelin man, and two Egyptian archers. And also two light infantry bow. Uh, so you can occupy terrain. You've got plenty of shooting there. And the, the heavy foot, they'll stick around, they'll block, they'll occupy occupy quite a de decent amount of space. Yeah, so that was yeah. sort of six, six heavy infantry wide. You've got four chariots wide to take you up to ten. You can occupy the... Um, the terrain with probably another four so you're yeah you're, you're 16 16 combat wide which is not bad actually is it um yeah. that's yeah that's starting to get a good chunk of more than half the table um and you said you put the last command down first for almost certainly for sure yeah um, unless unless there's an obvious flank march andy were you about to chip in with a, a question or um... yeah well i just a couple of observations. well you explained why you uh, put a competent commander with the cavalry command um, I'd be inclined to put a few light infantry with your heavy chariots to screen them from bows. And the only other yeah. query I'd have about this, I'm not very familiar with the Assyrian list, is do you not have any spearmen you can take to protect your No, there's no spearmen on, on the list. I did, look at, I did look through the allies and there were some allies where you could take spearmen, which would add a spearmen. Most of the allies wouldn't have really added anything to right, the okay. list that was worth it. I think it's an interesting it one, isn't it? Having, having the missile support. If allies for the spearmen, you'd end up having to sacrifice either part of the infantry centre or one of the two mounted wings. So Yeah, yeah. I think the allies give you normally give you more mounted, you know, stuff. But, um, yeah, I think having a big, solid line of... It's a lot of supported infantry to see in one army. But, but I guess you do have in this period to think there are a lot of armies with four heavy chariot impact. So they're going to hit something, and and if the swordsmen aren't supported, 
they do just suddenly yeah. look like a big target I, with a lot of hit points, I don't they? I just find missiles bought a waste of points. I, th I think it is nearly, you know, a lot of the time it is. It, it's definitely overpointed. But again, you know, if we're looking at this in period, there's kind of, I always think there's two, well, the Egyptians slightly aside, but actually, you know, the Egyptians include, there's two types of army in the early period. Um, there's one with, you know, four heavy chariot impact is the strike force. Um, and the missile support will mitigate against that um, to a degree. And then the other one is the, the armies with a lot of impetuous foot swordsmen, whether it's yeah. the sea peoples or the, you know, the other ones, or, or even the Egyptians with a lot of the impetuous swordsmen. And well, the, the mesh rush. The mesh rush. You know, with, with this, you could have, what, the six extra points there. Um, yeah. With the extra three on the competence, take that out. Um, that's 11 Wait, points. You could get another three. Points. 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 The ice screen, the heavy chariots, maybe. Yeah. 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 But no, but I think, I've, you know, I've seen people do surprisingly well where where they're anticipating trying to tough it out against um impetuous foot so you know these swordsmen don't forget they cancel the impetuous impact of what well, the impact of impetuous foot so suddenly you've got someone whose main strike arm is impetuous heavy infantry who are then going in at evens against a mix of elite and ordinary swordsmen who have all got support so they've got to win by two to to break through and get the advantage of their um their very furious true. charge so otherwise you just suddenly start grinding them down so stopping them in that very first round against impetuous foot is one of the very few times that the the missile support is actually really good value and i think you can anticipate fighting a lot of those armies in a biblical period so it's you know i, I don't think it is great value but it is better value in this theme than it is in some others you know it's, it's probably a better way of saying that Okay, um, let's have a look at um, Adam's list. Oh, hello. Okay, so um, the thinking through this list is firstly, um, I had to have um, strategist because um, it's Sargon and that's naming me boy. So I'm going to have to base the army around my child's name, obviously. Um, I then went with if I'm spending the points on a strategist, one of the things that does is give you the extra scouting point. So if you're putting points into that already, it might be worth reinforcing that. So I went with an ally of um, Scythians, which gives me um, in total in the army six light horse. So it takes my initiative up to five, which is always very handy because there are some armies I can see fighting that I would want to defend in mountains. And there's some choice sometimes I could see that I would want to attack. So having that choice with initiative five most of the time, I think, is way forward. So um, the Scythian ally command is uh, four light horse, one medium cavalry bow and one heavy cavalry bow elite. Um, I've included the ally general in with the heavy cavalry bow elite um, i wasn't going to until i figured out because i was originally going to have two medium cavalry bow because i didn't want to spend too much on this command but i figured out to make it heavy cavalry and elite cost four and if i included the general in with heavy cavalry and elite he should be kind of safe for a lot of the time and it only costs one point to upgrade that unit to make it more effective and you can evade 
yeah, all, all, all that. Um, so that's the Scythians. Um, the middle command, the second command is two heavy chariots, two guardsmen, heavy armor, um, two guardsmen, heavy swordsmen with armor, a couple of skirmishes, and the poor infantry, heavy, heavy swordsmen. Um, that sort of goes in the middle and trundles forward and fights. The poor infantry um, are either there to stretch it out wider if they're fighting things that they might look their lot might look they can fight against but um it's usually going to be used as a reserve just in case something goes wrong because it might be poor but it's still heavy foot so it might be mediocre but it's still heavy foot so as a reserve it can patch a hole quite well and the first command with a strategist is the three heavy cavalry bow elite um three medium swordsmen ordinary um the Scythia, two, two light horse Scythians go on a flank, a um, couple of levies to bump up the number count, and uh, Egyptian bowman mediocre. Now this command, I like having sheety bow ca heavy cavalry and medium foot together, because um, I think they work well together. Um, the medium swordsmen move surprisingly fast, um, they can do the terrain thing while the cavalry uh, manoeuvre around it. Um, I just think, I just really like um, how those troop types work together, especially with lots of command pips, um, with the two light light horse on the outside. The uh, bow mediocre does two important jobs. One job it does is long range fire support for the elite heavy cavalry bow, um, preferably sitting in terrain shooting out of it, but they can also sh sit at the back. And um, the other important job it does is in trying to get votes of people here to say my army list is better, it almost guarantees Dave's going to vote for my army because yeah. it's um, a mediocre <laughs> bowman. So um, that he's really triggered by that. <laughs> triggered. Um, Me too. Sorry, I just didn't have points. Um, no, one's all right. I had one in my um, uh, Ordnance French army, and I was happy with that. Yeah. So, no, no. Uh, but it's it's an oh. army with. Um, initiative five, there's 24 units in the army, and as most of the fighting troops are elite, I think that's um, quite a good size for the army. I'd uh, yeah. possibly get rid of the two levy and use the points from those to either in your ally move one of the light cavalry to turn into a medium cavalry bow or change that uh, poor infantry, that heavy sword. Yeah, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to change a light, light, light horse to medium. So that'll drop right. his initiative. Initiative. Yeah. No, it won't. No, it won't. Um, I've also got oh, to point out... To light cavalry, you, you only need what? You need six, six, and he's got six. You need six, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I would also point out, and because like the levy, I could do something else with, because if I dropped from 24 to 23, it wouldn't be a disaster. But I have got 20 bases of biblical levy foot, okay? <laughs> so they're going to come out. That's a good reason. Every That's given reason to use them. You could you could swap them over every every bound, couldn't you? You could just give them <laughs> another run out. Just dare dare I even one. ask why you've got that much levy foot, or is that just some sort of uh, story when you had so, too many beers and a baby sham was involved? DBM. No, playing DBM and there are armies where you got to use mm. lots of levy, and you could buy a hundred figures from Lancashire for about two quid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're not the greatest figures, but they're more than good enough. Um, so yeah, that's why I've got them, and they're going to yeah. get a run out whenever they can. 
Yeah, those Lancashire figures, they definitely work at the, the three-foot range, don't they? You paint them yep. up on mass, and you, you drop them on the table, and you go, yep, that's a proper army. Mm. <laughs> yep. When you've got you three cubits. Yeah, three cubits. But it's, it's an interesting one. I suppose with this army, it's, it's really weird to see a list that doesn't have four heavy chariot impact. Um, and, exactly. which is kind of one thing that jumps out and and I do wonder if that command in the middle you know I can see the first command heavy cavalry medium swordsman you know they all move at the same pace I, I get that um, but that middle command the chariots are going to go one place and your three swordsmen are going to plod along a bit I, I don't know if it's easy to coordinate those two when they're doing I think things. Um, first as long as you get more than rubbish command dice first hmm. turn the foot go forward four the chariots go forward three second turn it's two and three which puts them back again so slightly annoying but i think it's but third turn point. the opposition turns up with four heavy chariots and smashes you <laughs> yeah well, no, but i've got two and the thing about yeah, the yeah, um, okay, got two, is, so go back and paint but, the other two but no 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 it's th and the thing about the guards the thing about the heavy chariots and the guardsmen working together is a guardsman, heavy swordsman, armor, and elite, they can stand for quite a long time against most things. And I did consider having missile support, and I've got this army, and I've used this army with missile support, um, and I just didn't go for it because it's just not worth it. Sometimes mm -hmm. it can be, but usually it's just not worth the points. Um, and the heavy chariots and the um, guardsmen standing next to each other, um, they're actually kind of quite hard, really. And you, you know what I really like standing next to a heavy chariot impact. Another heavy chariot impact. Got it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but how about if um, the enemy's got lots of spear? Yeah. I'll still run over it with a heavy chariot. Although impact. you still run over them, I'm afraid yeah. to say. Yeah. Yeah. With the first command. That's where. That's where you see if you've got um, bowmen, if you've got light infantry bow in front of your heavy chariots, like I do with my Hebrews, you run them forward towards the enemy, and if the enemy have got spears, you move up so that the heavy chariots are pinning the enemy infantry, but there's room for your skirmishers to stand in front, and you just keep shooting. And if they charge, they've got to charge into the chariots, which is bad news for them. Otherwise, they're just going to stand there and take being shot. And if they turn around and go back, they've got their bump to the chariots and then charge in. Simples. Yeah, and your swordsman armour should do okay against them as well. Um... I just in the first one, did you toy with you know that long range shooting about having some of those mixed mixed bow sword units as well to just give you a bit more reach to support the cavalry a bit more? Um, I did, but then it's um, then if they have to fight in the rough, they might be against disadvantage because the, most of the armies these chaps will be facing won't be won't have lots of good heavy fur but quite a few armies can have good medium fur and i didn't want to line them up where they could just get run down because they were mediocre when they were fighting yeah i think when, when i've used this army that's why i didn't I, that's why i didn't go with mixed units yeah when I've, I've used it i think it's you're right the mixed units are just not quite strong enough but but then you find that the medium swordsmen or i've always found the medium swordsmen they look really cool and they're really nice figures and, and they look like they make sense in this army. And then you put them on table and you realize everybody else has turned up with impact medium swordsmen and yours <laughs> no, are just not as good. Yours are just not, yours are just not as good. Um, or four chariots. But, but again, that's why, yeah, that's why they're in with the other stuff. Cause yeah. if they've turned up with lots of medium fur, heavy cavalry, bow elite, uh, 
unless it's a table full of terrain and again having an initiative of five yeah, and being able to sort of like have the last say of terrain hopefully that should sort of like solve that i mean that's the reason why i thought having a high initiative would be good because there are some armies where you want to be defending in the mountains mm. there are some armies where you want to be attacking in the plains yeah, I, I can see that. I just that, don't I think your army's hitty enough, Adam. I don't think it's got to, enough punch, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need initiative of five in the biblical period. I think four would be well enough. I mean, five might be a little bit of overkill. So I think you can drop, you know, if you're going to take the Scythian, I get at least two medium cavalry in there. Maybe drop, you know, I, I, maybe drop the horse archers a bit. I know that. Well, no, I like I like the horse archers because... Um, there's almost no biblical armies that do do light foot, so you can sort of like dominate any sort of sorry that do do light cav, that yeah. do I, do I, sort of skirmishy cav, so you can sort of dominate that wing of it. I think the standard way to play this army is to have four heavy cavalry bow elite and four heavy chariots with another command which is of the mixed units of shooting. That's kind of the standard way of doing it. So I think what you'll find with your army, Adam, is you're going to have to put the Scythians with your heavy cavalry on one side of the table to overwhelm the enemy. Um, which See, will probably work, but then I think you need some shooting in the second division. See, I understand what you say, Adam, but the problem is a lot of the biblical armies have got like minimum four bowmen and stuff like that. So, you know, you just do a Dave and whack them out on the edge, and before you know it, those uh, light horse archers are, you know, hedgehogs. Well, look, it, it sounds like we're kind of moving towards a, a you know, a votable conclusion um, on, on this one with a quick summary of, of why which one's better. So, um, so I think, Mr. Saunders, if I, if I start with you, um, and if we just um, quickly flip up Tamsin's list as a reminder there, um, and, then, um, and then flip back to, I, to Adam's list. With reservations on a little bit of tweaking, I would go with Tamsin's list. Sorry, Adam. Mm. Sure, right. Because, as, as I think somebody else said, the, the four heavy chariots are, are the punch with this army and what's appealing about the army. Um, I'd actually put more of the heavy cavalry bow in there and you know things like that. So um, I, I'd probably include some generals in that army. Uh, to give myself back up to Dave Allen's golden 21 units, not just 20. That's <laughs> okay. All right. Mr. Webb, um, what about you, sir? Um, I, I'm the same with Dave. Uh, I've got to go for the four heavy chariots, but I would tweak this a lot. Um, mm. It's basically, you could free up so many points very quickly to, um, you know, you could get to, to 24 points on this. I do like the idea of heavy cavalry bow elite. Um, but I'd only stick, I'd have an included commander. I'd even possibly go allied, uh, take the idea from Adam, because then you can just free up so many points. You'd free up, what, about six points there. Um, and then before you know it, you've added on, you know, some light infantry to uh, screen the heavy chariots. Um, you drop the missile support. Um, so are you saying, Peter, you do an entirely different list? Kind of, yeah. Kind of, right, okay. Uh, but, but There's no heavy knights right. or elephants. No heavy knights, yeah, no but heavy knights, are. no elephants. The chariots yeah. are heavy chariots knights. Chariots are nearly up to yeah. heavy knights. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy, which, um, given, given well, you know, because you're not Peter, we're going to sadly restrict you to choosing one of these two. Um, there's no Peter <laughs> Pass out here on this one. Which one of um, which one of these two are you looking at? The, um, the Adam version or, or the Tamsin version? 
Well, again, I'd like to tweak it slightly, but if I had to be forced to use one of the two without any changes, I think I'd go for Tamsin's. I think it's, it's more my style of army. Okay. I like the micro command. I like the four heavy chariot punch. And, you know, that, that's two, two features of the army I think would be very useful. Okay. And um, Simon, what about you? Oh, these, so um... question. Sorry, Mr. someone said something? Yeah, Mr. Oh, Simon, which, what about you? Just because there's no other thing, you still have to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I, I quite like the biblicals. It's, it's never been a period I've gotten into when I played DBM or Fog, but in ADLG, it just plays so much more fun and it makes sense of a few chariots. Um, it's, a, it's a chariot period. Enough said. You've got to go for all the chariots. Um, I do like Adam's design of the, um, the different mounted commands and all that. But for me, for the chariot period, I'd be inclined to go with the more simplistic of give me the biggest hammer I can get my hands on for heavy chariot elite impact. And then that big stodgy foot command that you could walk up to someone and say, I'll pick a fight. It just seems quite a very visual type of army that I love to give a go with. Mm. Okay. And I suppose rounding it kind of off for me, I think I it it is tough, isn't it? Because the there's so much you can do with this army, and I've I've fielded it with very mixed success with different incarnations as well, um, and, and different ways of putting it together. I think in some ways, Adam, I, th I think your your list with those um the, the thing that does tip it, I think, is that Scythian command. And, and I think if the, the Assyrians actually do, do kind of creep into the very early part of the kind of classical period, in a way, some of that, that early classical, because you're getting up to, what's this, 700 BC, and, and I think it runs a bit later than yeah. that as well. Um, so with those Scythians, I actually think yours is probably a better army for fighting kind of non-biblical armies you know it's quite mobile the two heavy chariots is punch the heavy swordsman's good um and the skidians would be kind of useful against someone with the textbook you know two cavalry and two horse archers on one flank um but i, I just i fear in in the biblical period where you get some some quite you know, biggish armies with with a wall of rubbish What's and a lot of shit well, not medium source, but a lot of shooting and the mixed shooters and things like that. I just wonder if the having six horse archers is actually having is having too many. And I think you know it's that comment Dave made. Um, if the initiative was four, and and those horse archers, I don't think I'd go medium cavalry either because I, I think they're still going to get potentially shot up. But but looking at the range of things you could fight, I just. In biblical period, I, I I just got a real worry about that viability of that Skidian command, so I would probably again tip towards Tamsin's, but but again with a a caveat of Tweaking. trying to sort of shuffle, shuffle it around a little bit, because um, again I think that that third command is pretty pretty lightweight as well. But there's just so more you basically do a different list. No, no, I'm I'm just I, I it would be which <laughs> it would be which command I'd be most worried about. I think really um and i just think i'm more worried about the skidian command as a big chunk of points um and, than than the other stuff in tamsin so i'd probably lean towards tamsin's as well but i think it would be 
it would be closer than than for for some of the other people for sure. This means war. Okay then, so um, with with that that one tucked away um, nicely, I think it's over to our world of computer expert, Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, and um, and the fantastic random.org to see if we can pick a, another army, um, another good one out of it. So sound effect time. Digital Spanish. Nah, boring. Because because they've got knights there, you, we don't. Uh, anyone can use a knight army. Exactly. <laughs> So what random.org tell us this week, Simon? List 64, Achaemenid Persians. Oh, yeah. It's another proper one. And that's yeah. the, is that's that the early Achaemenid? 64 is the early one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is the early one. So, the yeah. One. The one with um, Darius. Jazza. And his big ladder. Yeah. Excellent. So who's got, um, who, who wants to put their hand up for the Achaemenid Persians then? Well, I, I think it's my turn, actually. Mr. Finkel, you're definitely there then. Yeah. Andy, shall we have a, um, give it a go? Yeah. Well, Simon, sure. you've, sent, you've sent in the list for the last two weeks, so we'd better, <laughs> better choose you for the, um, you know, if you're paying attention, we should better choose you this time then, for sure. Yeah. So the Akamini Persians are coming up, coming up next. Look at that. It's got options. It's got one and a half pages of stuff that I can get wrong. <laughs> got all sorts. You can throw all sorts of crap in there, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll you, do, you're actually we'll, going to do a legal list this time. You need to consult with Dave Allen. So having picked the, um, the armies to go to for next week, we get into another piece of um, melancholy theme tune as, as darkness starts to fall across parts of London and south of England, if we, if we all look outside. So, um, and we're into yet another episode I think it's number five, is this possibly four or five, of teaching Timmy about Napoleon. Yes, mopping a tear away from our eyes as that uh, music fades sadly into the uh, the french background so um, but there was no headbanging this time no headbanging this time no i think that, that's that's your quiz music Andy. you're getting your own oh yeah two get, sorry. you're getting your all two this french music's confusing up. me yeah all this right. french music's confusing you so last time um was was there an austrian being beaten or um were we, yeah. we going to do sharp or something something was no well, something was happening in saxony just moved into the spanish peninsula yeah. ah, i think, I think okay. now's a good time to talk about the um Peninsula War, and then we can sort of park that while Central Europe catches up with some of the later events. And, and this, so is, this, this is, is basically Mr. this is Mr. Norrell and Jonathan Strange, isn't it? This is the war in the Peninsula War. And it's uh, Bert, and it's Bert, and it's um, Sean Bean running around shouting bastard, which I know I know is something that fascinates bastard, bastard, right? Bastard, yeah, bastard, yeah. So, um, essentially, it was um. You know, you realise by now the, the French were beating continental armies in Europe, but they haven't had a chance to beat up the British army simply because they can't get at them because the British are overseas and the French Navy keeps getting beaten. So well, that, that overseas get... thing is a fairly defining characteristic of the British psyche, isn't it? So I imagine yeah. the geography and the psyche hasn't changed there. 
no, that's right. So, so Napoleon is thinking, how can I stop these Brits paying other people to fight me? And he comes up with a kind of reverse Brexit. And he thinks, right, let's ban British trade from Europe. That will cripple their economy. Then they'll be forced to come to a deal with us and then we can get on with life. So he brings in a thing very, the... very, doesn't sound very kind of fighty, you know, economic warfare and, and trade blockade. But, um... Well, it was. And I mean, they were using like pirate, pirate privateers to attack British ships and, you know, okay. things like that. But so uh, th this was his cunning plan. And his idea was to try and make the whole of the bits of Europe he controlled close the ports to British trade. Uh, but you know, the people quite like trading with Britain, so he had problems enforcing that. And in fact, remember last week when he beat the Russians and had the peace treaty in the, um, on the raft in the river, one of the conditions he imposed on Russia was to join this continental system and hmm. ban British trade. And the Russians signed up to this to begin with, but eventually they got fed up of that, and that's part of what led to the fight in 1812 in Russia, but, 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 you know, which we'll come to but, one day. So a trade treaty done on a raft in the Rhine with the Russians made him decide to invade Spain? Not entirely. Well, I mean, this was... Not I mean, entirely. This, okay, good. This, right. this um, uh, cancelling the, you know, screwing the British trade-wise was a general policy by then, and he mm. got the Russians to sign up to that as part of making peace right. with them. Meanwhile, the Spanish and the Portuguese in particular didn't want to stop trade with Britain, and so Napoleon wanted to go down to the peninsula and force them to close their ports. And so put his was, brother on the throne of Spain. So he was basically invaded Spain to take over the customs office. Essentially, something. yeah. And was yeah, that that's, to do with different right. hats or something? Because customs officers tend to be quite well, well, vicious. Probably. But see, by, by now, you see, the French had changed from... Um, uh, Bicorns, Bicorns to shakos. And I think it's interesting. We haven't really touched on this, but it's... But, yeah, what is a shako? What is a shako? Because on my 10 mil figures... Honestly, I can't really tell much of the difference. I know they're not bicorns, but they're kind of, they look like sort of bear skinny type things. Oh, well, th th think of a top hat with the back of the, um, with the back of the rim chopped off. and it, it, it's, You're nearly there. A top hat with the back of the rim chopped off. It's cylindrical. It goes up. It's got a little bit of a peak in the front. All right. Okay. And then it has a little spot on the top that you paint um, in one of a range of different colours. And, and or you stick a, a plume on it or something like that. Plumes yep. and pom-poms. Okay. Yeah. Right. So fashions it, it, hit the French. Yeah. Yep. And also, um, the Bavarians had really stupid hats called Rappenhelms. They could keep their sandwiches in them. Right. That's a whole other episode. And we don't want to get into Paddington Bear because that gets into <laughs> licensing issues, probably. So, so he's got, designed a new set of hats. He wants to be a customs official in Malaga. So he decides to invade Spain. And were they, were they was he enemies with Spain? Did he just decide to do it was well, there... no, yeah, well, by now he was because he um he remember we had he had some troops down in spain before trying to notionally help the spanish and then take over and then the spanish got a bit upset about that and in, and it was a bit like ireland in the 1950s and everybody believed what the priests told them and did what they were told so the priests were pro-monarchists and they whipped up the spanish into an enthusiasm against the so French was there like um an, an old craggy and island these... Andy's missed an important bit, I think, unless I'm it was very possible. Um, okay. The King of Spain had an argument with his son about right. sort of like various stuff and about who was going to be in charge. So they appealed to Napoleon to sort it out. He sort of said, "Come I'm on, so then." I'm like, sorry. <laughs> they, they went. To, they went to Napoleon and said, "Look, what's your opinion, mate?" 
Didn't, didn't they like ask their missus or something like that? Or, or no, make they asked Napoleon. And Napoleon's answer was, you're both fired. My brother's going to be the king of Spain. Okay. So they regretted we asking that question then? Yes. Right. Um, and Napoleon appointed his brother the king of Spain. Sorry. It was a little bit silly of the, the, uh, the Bourbon king and the Bourbon heir to go to the man who was responsible for killing another Bourbon king. Yeah, so, so is that, does anybody have any re explanation why they did this monumentally stupid thing that they didn't have to do? They're the Spanish royal family. That's basically what inbreeding is the answer. Yeah, and if you name your yeah, kings after biscuits, it's never going to end well. Yeah, I suppose so. It seemed like yeah. a good idea. On the other hand, was pretty cool. Right. Napoleon was okay. trying to stop the, the the trade between Portugal and England over port and all the alcohol that the English need to get smashed out of the heads of. But that, but that's still got nothing to do with why a Bourbon king having an argument with his son asked a Bourbon king head chopper offer bloke from France to come and sort out I, their I argument. I think this comes back to the old traditional thing of like the, the Bourbon kings were involved in Italy. So right. Napoleon had, had, you know, his brother was, uh, I think this is right, Andy will shoot me down. I think Napoleon's brother was already king of Naples. No, that was his brother-in-law, Murat. Brother no, 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 he was king of Naples. And when Joseph became king of Spain, Murat got promoted to be king of Naples. Oh, I see. So, okay. Yeah. So was so the Bourbon, Bourbon Italy thing like a, a, a Gary Baldi versus Bourbon well, biscuit off since, or something? Since no? the medieval period, the Bourbons were kings of Spain and kings of Sicily and uh, uh, Naples. I think, wasn't it? No, the Bourbons only became kings of, kings of Spain in the early 18th century. Yeah, Spanish War no, Succession. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting lost with it. So, look, we've got this entirely inexplicable reason why two Spanish people asked a Frenchman to come and sort this out. And he said, no, my brother's going to do it. I think it's partly because Napoleon was the biggest kid in the playground. Yeah. So if he said it's going to be like this, everyone would listen to him. Yeah. And I think they went to him because they both thought they would say, oh, of course you should be in charge. But Napoleon said, my brother should be in charge. Okay. So you've got Le, Le King of Spain. easy. You've got Le King of Spain now, who's um, Mini Napoleon's brother. And well, uh, so yeah, get, getting to the, the military side of things. So there was a, the, the French had armies down in Spain and um, Napoleon came down with, with the main French army. So he invaded a country. Sorry, sorry, Andy. So he invaded a country that his brother was king of after well, he put well, his no, brother, on, brother king on the king on the It was he, at the same time. OK, so so this was part of the, um, you know, the interesting persuasive narrative of you yeah, have asked me to decide like this uni. they basically went down in a convoy to drop him off okay so it's basically you've asked me to make this decision i'm making a decision that neither of you will be particularly happy about but here's twenty thousand french troops marching on somewhere um, yeah, more so, like 80, 000, but yeah yeah okay a lot of them so the french oh, are piling yeah. into spain to basically shore up a decision that he's made yeah, to put, to put joseph on the throne, on the throne yeah right and are, are, the, are the armies kind of happy about this? Do they just like want all of Napoleon's family ruling Europe and France is cool on this? Yeah, this well, is they, they, they get paid, they get chance to loot, you know, some, okay. some sunshine, a bit of sangria. What, what the army's it? Napoleonic. The army is fully behind Napoleon. Just, and there wouldn't even be a thought that they didn't do what Napoleon said. Okay, They're completely right. professional. They're in it for the money. He's up for this, then. 
just imagine they've won an awful lot at this point. They're like going, hmm. well, we're going on a sunny, hol sunny holidays. We'll just go in, nick a bit of wine, you know, loot a little bit. We haven't stopped this country yet. It's a bit bored doing Austria again. They're not, they're not conscripts. They're professional. Yeah, they're going to do nothing with their lives other than be soldiers in the phone. Okay. been to some of these places and there's lots of fortified cities that sort of gave up then isn't that um is that that's the only is that the story of this all this army marched around and the spanish just gave up now, there were some sieges places like uh, zaragoza there was a, I think a siege that went on for a few months and stuff but yeah. um anyway the main the main story is napoleon the french more or less captured quite a bit of spain and smash most of the main spanish armies and the british then turn up on the fringes, including an army led by a guy called Sir John Moore, who had trained and formed the um, the, the Rifle Brigade. Well, it was actually the rifle, 95th Rifles at the time. And is and, this where the bastard thing comes in? Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Okay. And um, so he 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 starts threatening the French supply lines, and Napoleon is by now is on his way back to Central Europe because the Austrians are causing trouble again. That so he sends Mark. He sends Marshal Soult, this is the beginning of 1809, to chase these French away. And you've got the French um, chasing the British in winter all the way back up to northern Spain. And the British end up, in, it's a bit like Dunkirk, really, but they end up at a place called Corona, which is, La Corona, which is on the northeast mm. coast of Spain. They managed to hold up the French long enough uh, for the British army to get away. But Sir John Moore is mortally wounded and is buried in La Corona. Um, and so the British get away. And then later on that year, they send another army down with the Duke of Wellington, and he manages to stay and annoy the French for several years, wow. and they just can't get rid of him. So, so this is like there's a span, there's an infestation of Wellington in in French-owned Spain. Um, yeah. Are the, is Portugal still a separate country Portugal. this week, or or is it? No, they, they, they keep trying to come out of Portugal to harass Spain. And then a big Spanish army turns up and then uh, Wellington goes, but these are only troops I've got and he runs back in Portugal. Uh, he so wasn't it's like going Wellington back and forth. at that point, was he? He was. He just wasn't there. Was. Oh, he's, yeah, right. Wellesley. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh, so that's the same person then, Wellesley and yeah. Wellington. Yeah. 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 So, so why, why did... different footwear. Right. So why didn't the Spanish then just carry on, or the French or whoever they were, carry on over the border and just sort of take over Portugal? Uh, well, tried. Terrain. Tried. Okay. Supply and terrain were really difficult, and don't, the Spanish had a had this thing called guerrillas. Basically, if you can't conquer a, an area in Spain, uh, you had to leave troops there to garrison it. Otherwise, the, the, the locals would run Just off into the mountains, and come down and ambush you, and be, misbehave. Yeah, so, nobody told them they quit. So yeah. they, they weren't so, told how to fight in lines, they just fought like proper sensible people. Well they did try well they formed armies from time to time, and then they got thrashed and they ran away and hid in the hills and started using the French from behind. The other thing about Portugal is they did overrun Portugal. So the British army run back to Lisbon, hmm. built loads of fortifications, got supplied by sea and just sat behind the fortifications for a year going, bugger off, bugger off, we're not going, bugger off. <laughs> and the French while the French run out of food. Bastards. Essentially, okay. the French, everybody's used to fighting field armies and proper pitch battles. But the French are being absolutely murdered in their rear by the guerrillas and people. So, and it becomes a really dirty war. 
and some of the greatest art of all time is actually painted on the atrocities of the French. Well, there's Goya's, that Goya's painting, isn't it? Goya's black paintings, which are in Madrid, are just, I mean, basically, they're some of the greatest paintings ever done. And um, that they're called the atrocities of war, and there's bodies which have been, you know, cut up by the French and hung on, you know, because they're trying to discourage the guerrillas who are fighting behind the lines. And that's the guerrilla war is what stops um, the French managing to take control. They just, they, they bite off more than they can chew. And that becomes such a drain that this is the first time Napoleon has a real setback. So this is, but he's not, well, so he's not there. So he's, no, after 1809, he's, he's, he's leaving other guys to run the war for him. Yeah, he's, right, so he's, he's running Russia. He's delegated that and he's probably going to beat the Austrians this week again. Exactly. And, um, and the French, and he's got his brother-in-law, no, his brother is supposedly running Spain, but, but there's lots of guerrillas painted blue in the hills, making it awkward. And there's a bit of Benny Hill music around and they're just chasing um, the, um, Wellesley around. And Wellesley keeps going back to drinks and port and gets supplied by sea and then comes out again. And then, so how does the Duke of Wellington presumably get promoted to be the Duke of Wellington? But you keep funny battles. And he wins battles. I thought you were saying he just lost them all and just ran away. No, 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 he, he, no. he didn't lose. He didn't lose any battles. He, but he just chose to leave before the end. He didn't have enough troops. troops to withstand the French invasion into Portugal. <laughs> In the first half of the war, up until eighteen twelve, he won battles, but there were too many French who so would run out, go, "I've beat you a bit," and then run back to Lisbon. Right. In eighteen twelve. <laughs> When most of the, well, lots of the French disappeared because of Russia and that, mm. that's when he went, right, come on, boys, now we're going to go forwards. And 1812 was when the British and the Portuguese advanced out of Portugal into Spain. Okay, so the first half of the war, it was like he was sort of 1 0 up. Um, it was getting sort of half time, and then he'd run around the back the and bus, like, yeah. then he'd switch the, oh. the floodlights off, pull the plug out, and go, oh, oh, let's, let's call well, this a win. It, it I'm was off. More like you know, first half, he'd run out, oh, I've done all well in the first half, and then the second mm. half, two teams turn up to play against you, so it runs back again. Yeah, that would be a bit tricky. Yeah, I could tactic. see that would be awkward. He masters a tactic. He, fuck, he, he, he lines his armies up on reverse hills mm. so that the French artillery can't see his troops, and this is the tactic, which is his masterstroke of how to... So he hides his army behind hills or on a slope, Right. And like he's behind the hill, and when he comes up to the front, so he fights a very defensive war. Yeah, he fights a very defensive sort of warfare, which he's learned in India, I think. Right. Yes. And uh, this is his masterstroke, and what, he, how he revolutionised him, because that's why he becomes the big hero in the end. And tactically, they actually outskirmish the, the French that the British yes. do. Right. That's so the actually because the French kind of invented modern skirmish warfare in the Napoleonic times, and the, the British become better at it than the French are. And, and what that just meant they could find where they were earlier and set up behind the hill before they arrived. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it meant, meant the French couldn't soften them up with skirmish fire, which is what the French column tactics were based on. Okay. And it negated the French artillery. So in a, in a kind of game sense then, um, are these interesting battles to fight or is it just overwhelming force on one side and one retreats? No, there's some cracking battles because um, you've got um, cavalry charging down, breaking squares. You've got uh, a lot of flanking maneuver using the terrain. Um, you've got uh, a lot of skirmishes happening as well. 
Um, but you've got all the different troop types as well, because you've got a variation of um, the different French troops from uh, elite to absolute rubbish. Um, and then on the Allied side, you've got the British troops, you've got the Portuguese, which could be uh, variable, and the Spanish could be extremely variable. From and you've got the uh, you've got the King's King's German Legion, which are basically oh, German yeah. troops in British uniforms, and you've got the Brunswickers in their black uniforms. And is this textbook kind of you know red coats with white facings and white trousers and stuff, um, playing against French people in in blue coats and white trousers? Or well, apart yeah. from the rifles in green, the uh, Brunswickers in black. Um, Portuguese, Portuguese and blue. Spanish, so it all gets uh, nicely messy. So if I wanted to kind of, of course, get that, cavalry and artillery, lots of them were in blue. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, at least I could then use my Union um, American Civil War troops for that. I'm sure, and I just get some recycling out. No, the hats are wrong. Really? Not from that distance. Gordon, Gordon's theory is that you put everybody in great coats and shakos, and they can be either size. <laughs> in campaign uniform and they all look the same in a campaign no, uniform as far as it goes that's probably true but yeah. why would you it's like toy soldiers napoleonic if you do dress for uniforms it's really really colorful yeah so you know it's, yeah. it's the point of playing with toy soldiers isn't it i suppose so so we talked about a whole period of the napoleonic wars in which wellington became wellington napoleon wasn't really there um, his brother owned Fra owned Spain, but couldn't keep hold of it. Um, the British won, even though they kept repeat repeating, no, retreating back to Lisbon and in a war that had been caused by a trade blockade that the Russians didn't sign up to. And and then it's sort of what peters out. Do, do we end up, does the Brits end up owning Spain after this? Or no, we don't. They give it back to the Spanish. The they give it back. We, we yeah. walk yeah. south of France. Eventually, they drive the, the French out. After, after Napoleon is defeated in um, Russia, hmm. the British get control. Is that a spoiler? Is that a spoiler? Were we supposed oh. to not know that until the next episode? But, well, uh, basically, the war in Spain goes on and on and on because the best of the French troops are elsewhere and, the, and we can't... Ah, so this is a war on two fronts then? This is half of a war on two fronts? Yeah, so the Napoleon, but if you're talking 1812, it's also a war on Britain's also fighting another war. Yeah, you know, American. I'm imagining, I imagine yeah. they're also, um, you know, the French must be fighting the Austrians somewhere, so there's probably a third front. But exactly. so the thing I'd never really understood was this sort of faffy about bit in Spain, but because I didn't realize it was at the same time as, um, as the yeah, stuff it was at the same time as other stuff, and Napoleon could never really devote his full strength to sending you know enough guys down to spain the french had a had a slogan for spain which is uh small armies lose and big armies starve right so it was like their le afghanistan i yes, suppose exactly. yeah basically yeah a french afghanistan okay well look i think that's um that's certainly told me something i didn't know in that the war in spain with the bastards thing was at the same time as that thing in russia that presumably we're going to talk about next week yeah, we've got, no, oh. we've got um, the Austrians come out of the go before then. Yeah, but Absolutely that's a default. They, that's and a default. I'm assuming they have a go at all times. Yeah, really. I, I just want to get plenty of views out of my Austrian army. No, we, haven't done, we haven't done the Danube campaign of 1809 no. yet. No, Marshall Land hasn't died yet. Yeah, we like right. Marshall Land. Marshall Land's <laughs> a good guy. Right, well, I'm sure the Danube campaign is probably um, 
probably yeah sort of slow and languorous i imagine something like that we've got a week or so to decide whether we talk about the danube campaign or whether we try to jump over the danube campaign and go to the um, exciting bit in in moscow that i do know something about um, no, we'll do. The, I think we should do the Danube campaign next week. Um, fine. Let's let's dive into that exciting yet unknown Danube campaign. And Are there any Yorkshiremen the involved? Hats. Are there uh, any Yorkshiremen involved? Uh, no. no, just not I'm aware of. Right. So on that note, I think you know it's um, it's the bastard end of the bastard war in Spain. That was um, that was a thing, wasn't it, my lord? I'm not quite sure what sort of thing it was, but it was certainly a thing. Um, and I'm kind of left with a sort of feeling of that was a bit of a sideshow, but seems to have gained a lot of TV coverage. And yeah, a lot um, going on. And then then he ended up being in like Lord of the Rings and stuff as well. And, oh, really? and also, so it's yeah, very good for Sean Bean's career. I do remember but, seeing Napoleon in Lord of the Rings. So look, with the Napoleonic Wars. Um, receding into the um, distance in the same way that Arthur Wellesley's army would have receded over the Portuguese mountains towards the safety of Lisbon. How good is that? Is that a thing? Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, uh, okay, see, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as we speak. Um, okay. uh, do you, you know what the uh, lines were, Torres? I'm sorry? Torres Vedras. Torres Vedras. I think I've got a bottle of that possibly later. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'll just go straight to the Scotch after another episode of um, learning about Napoleon. And um, so I think with um, with that we can leap free of um, of the chains and shackles of war in Spain and move into the um, like again, almost like the Napoleonic Arthur Wellesley and possibly Duke of Wellington esque army, and leap over the Pyrenees and on the way stop in Andorra and go to an ski French. Disco. Question. Come on, les voix. Question. Le trou est sans fond. Question. La légende le dit. Question. Elle dit aussi. Question. C'est une maladie. Question. So then, that disco music can only mean one thing, and that thing has to be Andy Finkel and your quiz of the week. Andy, hit us with last week's questions, last week's answers, and then whatever slightly weird and left field but vaguely military themed um set of questions thematically you're going to inflict upon us sorry gift us with this week fire away well last week's quiz was called french toast and i told you the following three army marshals all died in unusual circumstances and how did they die dave for you for the pronunciation please maurice de sax no idea no maurice de sax uh, yeah, you, 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 pay attention. In 1750, anyone know how he died? Uh, drowned in a barrel of rum. There no. was an in- incident with him and a horse, half a tin of caviar, and a bottle of cognac. Not swallowed quite, a no. fly. No, he was actually um, he was actually having a sort of entertainment with eight actresses, <laughs> and it all proved a bit much for him. And his death certificate describes him as having died from a surfeit of women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, a surfeit yeah, of women. Yeah, he was indeed. Yeah. 
them to nail down the coffin, but there we go. Right. Um, next one is Alexandre Berthier hmm. in 1815. He fell, jumped out of, or was thrown out of a window. Correct. Do you know where that was? Defenestration. Prague. No? No. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Good. Uh, Sweden. No. The place was called Hamburg in Germany. And rumour has it he jumped out the window out of despair when he saw um, French, uh, Russian armies marching towards France to attack France. Um, but some people think he was murdered. And really, Napoleon really missed him because had Berthier been in charge of the uh, French staff in the Waterloo campaign, almost certainly the French oh, army would have performed better. You wouldn't have had some of the command yeah. screw-ups that took place. Right. Well, you know, a bit of self-defenestration always um, erodes most great commanders' confidence. The verb to defenestrate is probably the best verb, verb that's ever been invented. Yeah. I, I still think one of the greatest things about it is that there were two defenestrations of Prague. <laughs> How does that happen? Well, you do yeah. one. You've got to and do it's impossible to tell which was the more important. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Andy, sorry, we're interrupting here. We're, we're, we, you know, well, these, actually, each time we interrupt and digress, it's a step away from that music again. So, so no, crack right. on, please do. Right. Third one is Edouard Mortier in 1835. He's called Edward Death, isn't he? I can imagine. No, if we Mortier. Well, so this yeah, is no. 1835. It's way after the. Uh, there must have been some war going on. It's still military. Algeria? Um, no, he died. He was part of the entourage of the King Louis Philippe. And the, the King was inspecting the National Guard at a parade, which he did every year. And this disgruntled um, political activist tried to assassinate the King by using what was described as an infernal machine. And it's basically a 29 barreled volley gun. Each barrel fired eight bullets. And when he fired this thing, 15 of the barrels went off, seven of them didn't, and one blew up in his face. But of the 15 barrels that fired, so he took out about 100 bullets, it took out most of uh, the king's entourage. The king got a slight nick on the forehead, not seriously wounded. But this general, um, Marshal Mortier, who'd been one of Napoleon's generals, copped a full blast of this thing and was mortally wounded. Oh. So he died of Warhammer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the infernal machine, yes, he, he it was um, uh, like being hit bit by a full volley, volley of heavy bullets, but not, well, not in a war. An early anarchist um, assassin. Yeah, that's it. An anarchist. Well, yeah. Well, I think um, with with that, I think that's that's this week's questions, and I think it's now time for your your full volley of infernal bullets, um, which makes up your next set of questions. Well, this, this, this uh, week's quiz is called Mad Men. All I want to know is, who are the following three odd fellows? Number one, the Scandinavian king who joined the First Crusade by sailing via the west coast of France to the Middle East, helping to capture Acre with his fleet, sailing back to Constantinople and then home overland. And later he went mad, imagining that there were fish swimming in his bathtub, and according to the author, Jan Jones, quotes, was prone to descend into bouts of manic cackling, which rendered him helpless. 
I, I think that could be any member of Central London War Games Club. Yeah, really, I was thinking, I know qu quite a few war gamers often do that. Yeah, yeah but then none of them are kings of Scandinavian countries. So that kind of, no, well, we don't know. You know, we, we only ever ask them about what armies they use, don't we? I mean, we could all have know, a backstory. As far as I know, the nearest we've got is a baron. You know, you know I'm not sure we've got him being yucky. It could be anyone. Right, okay, next question. Right. The Napoleonic commander who used to chew garlic, rub gin on his chest, fought a battle two days after being unhorsed in another battle at the age of 80, and suffered delusions that a French Imperial Guard grenadier had made him pregnant and that he was going to give birth to an elephant. <laughs> we're still We've all been there. Central, we're all back to members of Central Under War Games Club, isn't it? It could be, again, it could be any number of people. It reminds me of, of a certain night. There, yeah. are, the, 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 there are libel laws, guys. Just remember that. That okay. was a good light night, Dave. By the way, yes, it was. All <laughs> over again. <laughs> and number three, the Confederate general, who, as a young infantry commander, engaged in a furious exchange of correspondence regarding the supply of uniforms to his company with the quartermaster of the fort, and he was a quartermaster. Later, during the Mexican-American War of 1847, his own troops tried to assassinate him by exploding a 12-pound artillery shell under his cot. The cot was destroyed, but he survived unscathed. And during the Civil War, his subordinate generals disliked him so much, they signed a round-robin letter asking President Jefferson Davis to remove him from command of their army. Yep, another popular fella. Um, obviously a bad dice roller. Okay. Well, look, I think that's, um, that, those, that's a very, very strong return to form on the, the completely bizarre questions. And I think... On, on that note of the bizarre, I think it's time for another note or few, or note or a dozen of the bizarre, as we fade out with Andy's theme tune music. Strange questions, strange quiz music, um, and, and we're getting creeping towards that magic to our mark as well. So just with a quick roundup before we go then of, of what's on the painting table for the um, the coming week. So Simon Leray Mayer up in that top left hand corner. Um, what um, what's what stuff's being painted by you this week? I'm doing something completely different from ADLG and I've uh, found an old six mil micro, uh, modern uh, micro armor, uh, British, British army. So I'm painting that up. Fantastic. That's, um, is that is that Chieftain era or is it post-Chieftain? Um, definitely Chieftain, uh, Chieftain era. So this is a 19, uh, 1980s era um, army for um, Cold War commander. Great. So I've got, you know, um, Chieftains, I've got um, APCs with mortars into it and little four-wheel scout cars and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's all quality dross. Good. And, and the big question for that scale is, to whip aerial or to not whip aerial definitely have to whip it so what do you do for the whip arrows because I, I i'm always tempted and then i'm you know toothbrush, toothbrush. Six yeah so i get um wow. the, the bristles of a toothbrush yeah and then you um uh, with a um, either dremel or pin vice just drill a couple of little holes in the back of the area uh, the yeah. um the turret and i put the paint uh, the um oh, toothbrush bristles cool. into it and they work really work quite well because they're so long you can cut it yeah. down to give you the right visuals so i've done like for my uh command vehicles where mm -hmm. there's like a an m113 you know you know the boss comes out the yeah. cup of tea you put a whole bunch of aerials and you get the, you know, the different effect for them and then on the tanks you have slightly smaller ones so so look and go yep that's a commander 
I, my I, main I question, like... sorry, my main question of the British Army of that era was, you've got a 120 mil recoilless rifle. What was the thinking behind calling it a wombat? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's really, it's just killy death machine. That's what we're going to call it. It's, yeah, um, it's a wombat. It's just like... <laughs> You've never seen what a wombat can do to an Australian 22-wheel rigger when the, yeah. the truck hits it, hits the wombat, the truck rolls over, the wombat walks off, goes, Pfft. so, you know. I think, I think that um, excrement is of an interesting shape. Yeah. Australian military have long, have, I, in the early 20th century, came to the conclusion that you don't take on Australian wildlife. <laughs> the emu war. emu war. Oh well, yeah. If we're, if, we're, if we're talking about um, wombats, you know, Peter, your your badger on the head is that is that any potential of that becoming a wombat on the head at some point? <laughs> Mate, or, no, it's like pure pure badger, you know, not right, wombat. It's, it's pure well, badger well, on the head. Wombat, the wrong colour. Right. Okay then, um, Dave. Any any kind of antipodean wildlife for you this week, uh, or is it just um, Ottomans? I've met Antipodean um, wildlife in vehicles. That's another very funny so, story. Uh, you know, did the police mention much about that? No, no. I, we, a friend of mine's Renault 12 hit um, a kangaroo when I was in the back, and the kangaroo went over the roof and, uh, and then dusted itself off and hopped off. <laughs> I 50 miles would. an hour it, it suffered no but the, the, the Renault 12 was a complete write-off yeah okay Mr Finkel what's your you know we were going to talk about next week's painting but what's your Australian wildlife story of the week <laughs> um I'm struggling to think of one at the moment but um okay tell us about painting then it's a, you know I know it's a step <laughs> yeah. down but Pikeman, and, and if I if I finish the Pikeman, then it's into Roman early uh, late Roman legionaries. But right. I'll probably get distracted. Hopefully, getting the, uh, one or two games of ADLG online. If I'm lucky. Okay. All right, Adam. What about you? What, Australian wildlife story. Yeah, I met this Australian girl once in Portsmouth, and she was just like, yeah, wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, no, that was happy memories. But I'm um, painting. Um, I'm going to finish off my Mongols. And finish mm. off the horses, and then I've actually got um, a Doctor Who game because um, my kids love Doctor Who. So I'll probably, as well as doing Mongols, I'll probably also be doing Cybermen this week. Weirdly enough, so are you going to go for the um, Are you going to go for the textbook approach of um, spray them gold to start with, <laughs> and then <laughs> then rescue it from that? Is that your starting point? Nearly, I think I might spray them silver or spray them gunmetal, and yeah. that's and then that's about it, really. But oh, kind of maybe a wash. Now, maybe Adam, the important question is: you've got, you've got Cybermen, oh, no but will you have um, Daleks as well? Yeah, no, the Daleks will be doing after the Cyber. The thing about the Daleks is it takes some thought about how to paint them because they the Daleks are very, very different color color wise over the different series. Whereas Cybermen are just spray and gun metal put a wash on really so i'm no. going to leave the thought for later all right tamsin any any australian wildlife stories for you no no any painting this oh no we talked to you, uh, right. you you mentioned earlier you've got scatter terrain to do uh, do you yeah, think you'll get some figures this week uh among the i there's a couple of figures in among the stuff that that i primed today among the resin stuff i mean because i ordered 
a couple of bits for Judge Dredd from a company that had come across a couple of bits. I think it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the company. They do loads of like, various resin bits, and which included some grab boards, grab okay. surfers. Grab surface. Motorbike. So more, more denizens of um, Mega City One then. We might yeah. see by by next time we, we rejoin. Yeah, you might see a couple, couple okay. more. Okay. All right. Well, before we kind of wrap up with Peter, I, I do actually have another Australian wildlife story. It's <laughs> got kind of that's got a wargaming tip. So this is a this is a probably apocryphal story in the world of military training and simulation, in that the um I think the the Americans or were selling the um, the Australian military, a kind of a simulation platform for, for training and helicopter training. And, um, and what you do when you buy a, a sim platform, it's like buying a game, computer game, and you plug in different bits of terrain and modules for different vehicles and an aircraft and the other thing. And, and everything that you add into the game is kind of a downloadable content that, that you pay extra for. So to do helicopter training in the outback, the, the Australians had bought a kind of 3D model of the Outback so that their helicopter pilots could fly in a, in a virtual environment exactly like the one they would do. But obviously in, in the Outback, you do get herds of kangaroos. And, and the Americans who they bought this software from didn't really have kind of the, the kangaroo stuff. They didn't have kangaroos as a, as a module. And um, so they, they kind of got something and reskinned it. So they, they got a platoon of infantry that had behavioral characteristics because you know if you swoop down with a helicopter a platoon of infantry will will spread out and run away from it and um so they reskinned the infantry with kind of kangaroo visuals so that you could fly across the desert and when that when you don't zip down the kangaroos would scatter um even though there's a platoon of infantry and the the australians thought this was really really good right up until the point about the behavioral characteristics of the kangaroos started and launching shoulder launched surface to air missiles back at the uh, back at the helicopters because <laughs> that was also programmed in as part of the behavior for um for an infantry platoon in, in this bit of software so so other than that um oh you know i've been thinking over the last hour and maybe hour the americans and... maybe the americans have been watching tank girl yeah that could be it tank girl could have been a real thing but um <laughs> so um, tank girl but I think this, you know, my next my next painting project, I probably do need to bite the bullet on the ships because I think the the twenty eight mil Arabs is going to be quite a big project, and and the ships have been sat there for a while, and it will be doing something else different, and it also keeps me on the the small scale stuff for when um, I think Doctor Alex Sokolov, my my remaining Malifaux figure, um, comes comes as a special edition through the post, so I can still be in single figure mode. So I, I just need to decide which nationality. I try and paint these ships up as, um, you know, um, for, um, for for that particular game, the the Black Seas thing, and and I will try and avoid buying. But you could paint breaking. them as French, and you could put them on, and they could be on fire. Yes, they could be anything, could they? I could do the fire as well. I'm good at painting the fire. That's my skill. So, Peter, just to wrap up this week, what um, now you've got everything arrived by post. You've got multiple choice. What are you going to be focusing on this week? Well, the Aussie wildlife one just to answer that one, yeah. um, sailing off the barrier reef. Um, we jumped in the water, went for a swim around a bit of a snorkel, only for three sharks to come alongside us and swimming alongside us and uh, managed to get five of us to manage to jump out of the water back on the boat very quickly, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay. 
They weren't like badger hunting sharks, were they, or anything? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I wasn't sort of like badgerish looking at that point. It was okay, some you weren't quite many so years ago. Right. Hence the fact okay. that I was able to jump back on the boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, but if it happened your again, it'd scare, the badger would scare off the sharks, wouldn't it? Is that why your hair's grey? Uh, no, that's kids. Right. <laughs> okay. So on, on the painting story then, wrap, wrap us up with whatever um, your painting, painting. is. Um, I'm slowly working my way through the Austrians. So I think I'll have the rifleman done. Um, I want to do some of the land wear because just going into battle with a top hat is just too gun I'm cool. Yeah. Um, and they're not white. And then I'll try and finish off the grenadiers. But uh, I just want to have a big push to get a load of them done next weekend. So provided there's not too many distractions with work, kids and everything else, um, I just want to rattle through them because uh, then I get to move on to my nights, my Spanish nights. Navarre. Hey. The Knights of Navarre. Fantastic. Okay, well, look, that's a good wrap up. Another two hour special. And um, so thank you, everybody, for joining in. Um, thank you, Adam, for for departing from Bass and actually having Lager um, as well yeah. to bring along to, to this. I thing. think the C, the G, the G is soft, it's larger. Larger, because you have You know, we larger. actually thought he was buying Baby Sham and got it wrong. <laughs> Could have been Baby Sham. Um, so hey. we will. I'll have a baby. No, that's not going no, no, no. So with um, with with fifteen weeks down, um, we'll we'll put this one in the can. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from everybody. See you in a few weeks. Stay safe out there. Bye. 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 that you can have knights and elephants yeah uh, no no don't think so because i think yeah, it's the good. only army that peter won't say oh well the problem with this is yeah <laughs> so what what army can you have knights and elephants this means war That's very interesting, Adam, but you're still on mute. Um, but yeah, not on mute anymore. Still, you decided that's not worth repeating, clearly.